are listening to True Crime Twins, a true crime podcast hosted by Chloe and Melina Cantor. True Crime Twins is distributed by Glassbox Media and is part of the Crawlspace Media family. Welcome back to True Crime Twins, where we use our occupational and academic backgrounds in criminology and medicine to bring you crime stories each week. I'm Chloe. And I'm Melina. Thank you for joining us for another week of true crime. I am energized at the prospect of discussing a new case with you. I love what we can bring to the table. We love talking about crimes both unsolved, which we find very interesting because of the mysterious element of it, but also sometimes we talk about crimes that are resolved or closed if it is a particularly interesting case criminologically. And what case are we presenting today? Today we're going to be talking about the 2015 escape at Danamora, which is another name for the Clinton Correctional Facility in the village of Danamora in upstate New York. Two convicted murderers, Richard Matt and David Sweat, were last seen at 10.30 p.m. on June 5th. 2015 at the count that they did prior to lights out in prison the next morning they were gone using power tools that were certainly brought in as contraband 48 year old matt and 34 year old sweat carved holes into the walls of their respective cells these holes led them out into a catwalk which led to the steam tunnels once they reached the steam tunnels below the prison they found a manhole which led to a street outside of the prison beyond the confines of the facility. By morning count at 5.30 a.m., it was clear that the two killers had escaped. Around this same time, a prison employee by the name of Joyce Mitchell had gone to the hospital because of chest pains. It had turned out to be an anxiety attack. This will become significant later on. Matt and Sweat led New York authorities, as well as Border Patrol, among others, on the biggest manhunt in New York State history, which cost upward of $20 million. On June 7th, arrest warrants were issued by the U.S. Marshals, and Governor Andrew Cuomo announced a $100,000 reward for information leading to their capture. It was clear that these two had to have had help in order to pull this off because they needed tools, including saws, in order to pull this off. They were both on what was called the honor block of the prison, which allowed them to have more privileges than other inmates, such as access to cooking. It had turned out that they had used the assistance of two prison employees, Joyce Mitchell and Jean Palmer. A week after the escape, Joyce Mitchell was arrested for aiding the escape. It had turned out that she had been in on it. She was supposed to meet them at that manhole on the other side, and apparently they were all going to go to Mexico together. She was married to a man named Lyle Mitchell, who also worked at the prison. It is unclear if there was any sexual relationship going on, but it's heavily implied. Of course, Joyce Mitchell and David Sweat deny it adamantly. But you have to wonder why she would be going through these lengths. She was sneaking things in for him. 
as was Gene Palmer. I think Gene Palmer was actually the one that got the saw in. What was the day-to-day routine like for Joyce Mitchell at work and David Sweat at his residence in the jail? How did rumors of a sexual relationship, which of course would be very inappropriate, come about between the two of them? Did someone see them together? She was a seamstress or like the tailor or something. She led the tailor shop and apparently he was a good student and she would rely on him during work to help out others and it seemed as though she gave him preferential treatment and sometimes they would apparently go in the back room together. People were suspicious enough for her to be questioned about it and Sweat was eventually reassigned to a different prison job because of it. Gene Palmer was close with Richard Matt and he would sneak things in for him in exchange for very vivid paintings and other works of art that Matt would make upon his request. Matt was a vicious, vicious killer, but he was undoubtedly a very talented artist. He would make tons of portraits of people. I think that he even made a portrait of Palmer's wife or something like that as like an anniversary present. Like things like that, that that's sentimental value. Some people, you can't put a price on that. So that's something that he had to trade. And as you know, everything in a prison is transactional. How common do you think a dynamic such as this one could be in our American correctional system? I think that it's not terribly common, but I think that in this particular circumstance, Palmer was like a veteran corrections officer, definitely you know, had been around the block a few times. Matt was a killer who was to be serving life. He had known this guard for a long time. Like many killers, Matt was a smooth talker and very charming. So I do think that he provided this sense of security, even though it was very clearly a very inappropriate relationship. Speaking from a psychological standpoint, both Gene and Joyce chose this job Sometimes people end up falling back into career paths out of sheer necessity and survival. But some form of decision-making went into wanting to work in corrections. How does someone making that conscious choice basically violate the very spirit of what the role represents by having a conflict of interest relationship, whether that be just a friendship or even a sexual relationship? with an inmate. I think that people in these careers, it becomes their entire life. I think sometimes these people, they go home at the end of the day and they're still thinking about the interactions that they had. Even though these inmates, they are at a different power stance than they are. They are technically the boss of them. It still can probably feel like it's like their little circle. So in a way, it almost becomes maybe more tolerable to see some of them with more humanity and even bond with them is my best guess. Apparently, Matt and Sweat viewed Lyle Mitchell, husband of Joyce, as, quote, the glitch. They even offered to kill him for Joyce. And I feel like that's sort of when it started to get real for her. I think that they were using her all along. They probably would have just ended up killing her. But, you know, she didn't show up. All in all, I guess the main takeaway is that she did not show up. She screwed them over. She ruined their plan. So they kind of had to improvise. And now, a quick word from our sponsors. 
Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. 21 days after the escape, Matt was seen in Franklin County, New York, about 50 miles west of Clinton Correctional. He had a shotgun and he had shot at a passing recreational vehicle in an attempt to, I guess, steal the car or rob him. But quickly after this, he fell into a confrontation with a Border Patrol agent and he pointed a gun at him and ended up getting shot multiple times dead. Sweat was not with him. Apparently, they had separated several days before this, according to Sweat, because Matt was slowing him down. He was getting drunk. He wasn't listening to him because apparently Sweat had more survivalist skills than Matt. So Sweat was sort of taking the lead and Matt wouldn't take his advice. You know, like, don't drink that nasty stream water. And he would do it anyway. So he ended up shitting himself and he would steal alcohol from people's hunting cabins. And he was just getting shit faced like all day long. And if it wasn't for him, David Sweat probably would have made it to Canada. (laughs) Two days later, in the town of Constable, New York, which was just a mile and a half from the Canadian border, a New York State trooper spotted David Sweat walking down the road. Sweat was unarmed and desperate. Basically, as soon as the trooper paused and turned around to talk to him, he just bolted down a field, booked it towards the border. Unfortunately for Sweat, this state trooper was a firearms instructor. From a far distance, he shot him twice in the right shoulder and left arm from 73 yards away. Sweat survived his injuries, and to this day, he is still incarcerated. A little while ago, he actually tried to make a deal with authorities by telling them about an escape plot at the new place that he was at. He was trying to like pose it in a way of, oh, I'll offer you this information. But basically, after he told the authorities what this escape plan was, they ended up moving him and they didn't give him any rewards. The last I heard from David Sweat was a few months ago. He apparently has been on a hunger strike because he's wanted to move prisons. He claims that he gets bad treatment at this one because it's local to where he escaped and The workers know who he is and blah, blah, blah. He's so persecuted, whatever. But a recent development was that the prison is now allowed to forcibly feed him. That's how long this hunger strike has gone on for. He really is just trying to grasp onto any control he has left. I'm pretty sure he has a girlfriend. So I guess life isn't terribly at waste. You know, he has a purpose. He's fighting for this stupid cause and he has (laughs) a girlfriend that he can call a few times a day. He probably doesn't have privileges if he's acting a fool like this, but he doesn't have nothing. He has some things in his life to live for. Sweat pled guilty to the escape, and he was sentenced to an additional three and a half to seven years on top of his already existing life sentence, so it really didn't change much for him in the long run. Joyce Mitchell was released from prison in 2020. Gene Palmer served four months of a six-month sentence he was released for good behavior. What is your opinion about the level of manipulation and manipulative skill and deviousness that some of these inmates can exhibit? 
Is it a combination of what got them there and what they have to do to survive there that makes them so able to read people and exploit their vulnerabilities for their own benefit? I think that killers are very likely to have similar personality traits of callousness and a need to get what they want no matter what, whether it be lying or messing with people's lives. Matt had done many atrocious things, including kidnapping a former boss and like torturing him throughout the night, driving him around until he eventually killed him. Sweat apparently shot at a cop multiple times and then ran him over. These people are callous. They don't really care about anything. If they had a goal, which was to escape, I think they would have done anything and everything to make it happen. And as we've talked about many times, when people are so conniving and have their eyes on their prize and they don't care about anybody else, they will be smart. And sometimes these people just happen to have the ability to know how to talk to people and to know what people want to hear so they can get what they want from them. I also think that manipulative people can sense vulnerability. But they could also sense low self-esteem. Like they can almost smell it. They know when someone just desperately wants to be loved or desperately needs a friend and they just tell that person everything they want to hear. Do you think that the prison sentences for Joyce and Jean were sufficient? And is Joyce still married after this plot to apparently murder her husband, Lyle Mitchell? My instinct about Palmer's sentence especially because he didn't even serve all of it of six months. I think that that's a little bit nice, a little bit too nice for what he did because what he did was very dangerous and people could have been killed. Same thing with Joyce. I think her sentence was more appropriate. She ended up serving about five years, which I do think is appropriate. I still think that she never took responsibility for doing anything wrong. I think that she convinced herself and her husband that this was all based off of manipulation. She never slept with them. She was scared, whatever. Lyle doesn't think that it was her idea for them to kill him. And maybe it wasn't, but I still wouldn't want to have anything to do with that if I were him. But good on him for honoring his wedding vows. Something that made this case so interesting, to me at least, was that these two worked together to get out. And it ended up being each of their downfall. I think that in some ways, Sweat looked up to Matt because he was almost 15 years older than him, and he definitely had some standing in that prison, particularly with that guard Palmer, obviously. According to the show that Ben Stiller directed, Escape at Danamora, he was teaching him how to draw. I don't know if that's true, but I certainly think that there could have been a dynamic where he looked up to him, and I think they used manipulation tactics on each other, potentially. I think that the escape was Sweat's idea and Matt sort of glommed onto it. And if he was involved with it, that he could trust more that he wouldn't tell anybody else. But I do think that in the end, Sweat had the connection to Joyce. Joyce was the one that provided most of the things that aided in their escape, including a hacksaw and a drill. That was Sweat's connection, not Matt's. Sweat had the idea. I think that Matt certainly held him back for the reasons that I explained earlier. I truly believe that he would have made it. I don't know how long he would have lasted, but I do think that he would have crossed that border into Canada probably three days before he was caught if it wasn't for Matt. 
And that's a scary thought because they're dangerous. That's why it was so scary. Luckily, neither of them killed anybody while they were out, but they very easily could have, especially because Matt was armed at that point. He was shooting at somebody. I think that it's fair to say that they'll make sure that Sweat has absolutely no chance of escaping ever again.